Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Young Pyromancers podcast. Today is episode 30. I am your host, Ezra. I'm Charlie. And together, we're the Young Pyromancers, and we are doing the Jumpstart set review today, which is the new set that is going to be releasing. And they're aiming for release this Friday, July the 17th. So looking forward to that. Um, But for now, we are talking about the new non-commander cards from Jumpstart and how they relate to the commander format. Jumpstart is only legal in eternal formats, so it's not going to be really affecting uh, formats like Modern, Standard, Pioneer, that sort of thing, because they're not being printed into those formats. You got anything before we get right into um, these new codes? Uh, I suppose we could. Yep. Yeah, so, like Ezra said, we're not going to be talking about legendary creatures. We already had a uh, we had an episode where we talked about the Jumpstart and M twenty one Commander cards. Uh, so the legendary creatures, essentially. Um, so we're not going to be talking about those in this episode. And um, I suppose we could talk about Jumpstart. Uh, like what it is really quickly. Right. So um, Jumpstart is a new type of innovative product. You take two booster packs, which are 20 cards each, have lands in them and the cards you take them. You look at the themes. You don't have to look at the cards. You can. And then you just take them, shuffle them together, play with your friends. That's it. It's the easiest limited format ever invented. Uh, yeah. So Jumpstart... Uh, as well as in this kind of chaotic mixing and ma- mixing cards and little in packs together, there's a lot of different packs, and each pack has a a set of cards that are always the same. And so there's a lot of these, and so there's a lot of um, reprints to be seen. Some of those being expensive, but there's also a few new cards, which are going to be the main focus of our episode, but we're going to give a, a couple reprints to talk about really quickly. Okay. Well, um, yes, let's get right in with collector number one. Uh, collector number number one is Blessed Sanctuary. It is three white-white for an enchantment. It has prevent all non-combat damage that would be dealt to you and creatures you control. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, create a 2-2 white unicorn creature token. Now, I think that first ability is just going to be uh, the cherry on top. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter too much. But that bottom text where whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, create a 2-2, that is a very, very powerful effect. And there's lots of uh, decks that have lots of creatures entering... Uh, called decks like Holen, Rune, Brago, that sort of thing, where they're trying to play lots and lots of little creatures, but getting a two-two every time you cast one of those, oh, every time a creature enters, very powerful effect. You can amass a gigantic board from that swing out for the win. Um, yeah, this this card seems pretty solid as a pretty strong white enchantment that does a lot of things. Uh, looking at some of the other five mana white enchantments. Uh, in the same in the same kind of vein as powerful enchantments that do a lot to the board state if left unchecked. Uh, there's cards like Sigil of the Empty Throne, which makes a 4-4 angel whenever you cast an enchantment. And um, Cathar's Crusade, 
which whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Both of these cards are uh, pretty powerful, and they're played in a lot of white decks that have a lot of creatures, or in the case of um, some, in, in the case of Sigil of the Empty Throne, enchant enchantments. So um, yeah, they're those are both pretty powerful cards, and I'm certain that this card will see some play as well. Yeah. All right. Our next card is uh, interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Um, release the dogs. Um, it's three and a white for a sorcery. It's pretty uh, simple. Create four one-one white dog creature tokens uh, with four dogs in the art. Not, in other not... words, who let the dogs out? Who? 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 Who let the dog? Okay, yeah. Basically, it's who let the dogs out. Four mana, four tokens. It's the best rate we've ever seen. There's no other card that makes you four tokens for th four mana. Uh, play this in your dog tribal decks. Obviously, very good with Rin and Siri. Uh, I like that they're playing in this dog space. I'm just so happy that dog tribal is now a thing that exists. Oh yeah, it's um. It's great. It's because it's dogs just, are better than cats. Great. Dogs are better than cats. Wait, Charlie, um, are you team dog? Of course. You're team dog. Yes, of course. Okay. Uh, next card is Steel Plume Marshall. Steel Plume Marshall is three white white creature bird soldier with flying. Three three. Whenever Steel Plume Marshall attacks, other attacking creatures you control with flying get plus two plus two until end of turn. Um, this is like a repeatable rally of wings that got stapled to a 3-3 flying. That's the best way you can describe it. It's like a permanent buff. For, or no, only if you're attacking. But obviously you're only going to play this in the flying tribal deck. Which we now have with Inny as the Gale Force. Which um, is a very yeah. cool flying tribal deck. I think creator. that uh, this is... yeah. Um, Inny as is... I'd say one of the first really powerful, relevant flying commanders that have a, something to do specifically with flying. Um, right, maybe. there was only two yeah. before, and they were Esperia the Inscrutable, which made you have to guess your opponent's hand, which is just useless. And then there was also Sephora Sky's Blade, but then you only had white. And Sephora wasn't that isn't that great of a commander because it's not... It gives all your flying creatures indestructible, but she herself doesn't have indestructible. Which means you might as well just play, um, I mean, obviously budget, uh, if you forget about your budget. But who's the one who makes all your, uh, Acroma? Uh, no, 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 who's the one who, um, oh, Avison, uh, Angel of Hope. Avison, Avison, Angel of Hope, uh, makes all your permanents indestructible. Alright, uh, yeah, um, why don't you talk about our next card? Yeah, so just kind of as a, a wrap-up, Steel Plume Marshall seems like a, pretty strong um, top-end card for flying and flying kind of go-wide strategies. Yep. Um, here, next up, we have Archeomender, or Archeomender, maybe. Uh, two and a blue for a creature. Yeah. Uh, creature, human wizard. It's a 2-3. When Archeomender enters the battlefield, return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Um, besides being a 3-mana 2-3, which isn't entirely terrible and limited, um, 
I think that that ability is pretty powerful. Honestly, what do you what do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is something we don't really see being able to yeah, atone there's not, there's for not a, There's not a ton of this cheaply. I mean, it is a little bit. I mean, it would have been better as like a one 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 for two, but I mean, this is decent. I would consider it for my Jorah deck if I didn't have so many artifacts. Like, Jorah doesn't need to rebuy artifacts, but I would consider it for a deck like um, Shurum the Hegemon or uh, another, like, big, larger artifact deck like Glissa the Traitor, that sort of thing. Oh, wait, not Glissa. I'm going insane. Glissa yeah, doesn't have Skull Um. Hmm? Um. But yeah, I'm looking at looking similar cards, there is... Rootwater Diver, which is a 1-1 one, one for 1 that you can sacrifice and tap to return target artifact card from a graveyard to your hand. There's a Reconstruction is an instant for just a blue mana to return to target artifact card from a graveyard to your hand. And then, of course, there's the suite of Scrap Trawler, Junk Driver, Junk Diver, Mirror Retriever that all return an artifact card That's from a graveyard great. to your hand when they die. But most of those uh, are the colorless. This is not something you see in Mono Blue. Yeah, not so much. Um, those two cards I listed are the the only cards I can find at the moment. So, um, not not a super uh, well developed uh, thing in blue. So this is just a little new thing to see. And this is not not a terrible card, I'd say. I, I'm I would be yeah. surprised if this didn't see any play. There's a, I mean, I think the only thing that would be better than that, I I like Rootwater Diver. Rootwater Diver is a very good card, but um. Ogivian Restruction is like a card that I've never seen, but now I'm seeing it in the Scryfall search. It's two blue-blue return target artifact card from the, your graveyard to the battlefield, which is like not a bad card. Yeah, definitely. That uh, seems seems like a very white kind of thing. But um, yeah, I think uh, the, the blue-white artifacts kind of archetype might be getting a little more support uh, as of blue late. Blue-white artifacts. Yeah, there was uh, one set with blue-white... Oh. A draft set where blue white was the archetype for um, artifacts. Was it Dominaria? I think it was Dominaria. Um, I think it was the set with Daring Archaeologist. Right, that was. Uh, Which was. It's like Aerial Engineer because there was a card that said it has. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it was Dominaria. No, it was actually. Well, it, Dominaria did have a blue white theme, but I think that was going more with the historic theme. I think I found it. M nineteens. Um, Color uh, M19 draft archetype for white blue was artifacts, so I mean, which is interesting, but um, I think they're trying to push blue white as a oh, but I guess there was only one blue white card in M19 and it was it was aerial, aerial engineer. engineer, yeah, uh, yes, okay, our next card is yeah. which of the moors. Which of the moors is a is three black black for a creature human warlock warlock tribal hopefully is a thing sooner or later um, four four death touch at the beginning of your end step if you gain life this tone each opponent sacrifices a creature and you return up to one target creature from your graveyard to your hand now this is like a combination of multiple archetypes this is. I was gonna be like, oh, this is good in Muldrotha, except Muldrotha doesn't have a repeatable way to gain life. This is good in decks that want to be doing the aristocrats thing, but also 
the life gain thing. I can't help noticing the synergy in between this and Miles' pet card, Priest of Forgotten Gods. But, uh... Wait, Priest of Forgotten Gods yeah. doesn't gain you life, does it? Um... It has so many things, I don't even remember what it does. It's sac- uh, yeah, tap, sacrifice, two other creatures. Text. Yeah, I, I think Priest of Forgotten Gods is tap, sacrifice, and two other, uh, two other creatures. Any number of target players lose two life, sacrifice a creature, you add two black and add, draw a card. Okay, so you don't gain two life but uh which of the moves is a good card in uh, say like taste a call off because you're giving your tokens lifelink when you sacrifice them anything that like any life gain deck i think would be happy to have which of the moves yeah i also pointing out that um blood artist and zulaport cutthroat um as well as cool celebrant and falcon oh. and remembrance they all yeah. read target or each opponent loses one life and you gain one life whenever uh, a creature or a creature wow. control dies. That is very so that good. Will okay. Trigger, so yeah, um, this is totally an aristocrats card through and through, and it's explanatory with its fourteen dollar pre order price tag. The set I, hasn't even released yet, I but think I think I we can see this going down. But um, hopefully, yes. All right. I yeah. Let's hope which of the moves goes lower. I mean, nobody's opened the set, so I wouldn't I be surprised. Those prices go lower. Oh, definitely. Um, All right. I don't think it's well, play in any format other than Commander, so um, not sure there'll be too high of a demand. But I mean, well, the other, the only other formats that it's legal in is, or it would be legal in, is Legacy Vintage, right? And then that's, it's too much mana for Legacy and Vintage for what it does. Yeah. Um. I mean, Blood Artist is played very mostly in commander and played in almost no other format and it's you know 350 and it's i'd argue much much better and it's an uncommon so um i think this card probably doesn't go higher than four dollars yep yeah. okay so but hopefully I, I it's definitely nice. definitely mm-hmm. less than that though um all right, right. Uh, so that's new, enough right speculation new horizons Um, we have we have a few things today, actually. Yeah, um, uh, more than last week. Oh yeah, so why don't we why don't we address the elephant in the room first? The um, giant elephant in the room, or the giant sulkin uh, standing in a wave and taking lots of extra tones in the room. Uh, there's a banded restriction announcement. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. So that was a nexus of fate joke. Uh, but there has been a banned restricted announcement. Uh, in historic, agent of treachery has been banned from suspended. Winota, joiner of forces, has been banned from suspended. Fires of invention has been banned from suspended. Nexus of fate is banned, and burning tree emissary is suspended. Okay, yeah, let's pause there and then talk about. Let's talk about historic. So. Yeah. As the premier eternal format nowadays, because tabletop and paper magic is dead due to COVID nineteen, uh, everyone's playing on arena. It, it's like almost dead, but everyone is playing historic. The next uh, players tour is going to be on oh, players tour, no pro tour, pro tour, no mythic. 
I don't even know. I'm not keeping track. But the next large tournament is going to be Historic. So, Historic is a big deal. And Suspended, I feel like, is, like, sort of unnecessary. It's, like, 99% banned without yeah, people getting seems, the wild cards back. It seems like delaying the inevitable to me, or just, like, a, a just a step that gives some people a false sense of hope, maybe. Yeah. But uh, Agent of Treachery, Winota, Fires of Invention, everyone was pretty sure they were just gonna... They were never coming off the suspended list, so Wizards is giving people their wild cards back from those. Um, next is a fade, just a terror. Simic Nexus has made Historic unfun for the last three months, so that's a thing. And then uh, Gruel Midrange was... Oh, Midrange. No, Gruel Aggro was the next best uh, card because... Uh, Normally, how it would go is it's Tone 1, Pelt Collector, Tone 2, Burning Tree, Burning Tree, Robber of the Rich, and then you die. Um, yeah, essentially. <laughs> Burning Tree Emissary is essentially just a free 2-2. Uh, so essentially, what, it is a free 2-2. It is a free 2-2, 95% of the time, because that's what it's taking advantage of. Um, yeah. How do you feel about... Well, so Burning Tree Emissary wasn't naturally in the format. It was printed in uh, by Historic Anthology, which is essentially Historic Horizons. They yeah. just printed, like, they made, like, an online Historic set. So they printed Burning Tree Emissary into the format. And later, now they have to suspend it and probably ban it. Would you rather have them print cool cards into the format via or via the um, Historic Anthologies or just have them print ineffectual cards in Historic? with uh so we wouldn't want them to be printing like hill giant we would you rather them be printing cards like emrakul cards like phyrexian obliterator exciting cards for historic that may later need to get the ban axe do you you understand what i mean right um yeah i think i do i think i prefer uh having fun cards to play with and you know regret later Play now, regret later, rather than regret forever or just, you know, be waiting forever. I think right. you can um, always undo a mistake to an extent, but I mean, I don't, I'd rather have Emrakul for a week and then have it be banned than just have it be like, oh, we're never going to get Emrakul, you know. Wait, Emrakul? Was it Emrakul? Uh, it was Ulamog that was printed. Ulamog, okay. I'm just, I'm just saying Emrakul no, yeah, is, you yeah. know, the first very large creature that comes Emrakul to mind. They should put Emrakul Leon's Torn in. I don't see Emrakul being incredibly powerful in Historic, though. I mean, people are playing Ugin, so you never know. I'd say Ugin is slightly more castable than Emrakul. But, Ugin's you know, castable. No one's ever... Who might have... Wait, have you this. ever seen an Ulamog actually... Oh, uh... Uh, Emrakul, Aeon's Torn, Hodecast. Like, 15 Um, now. uh, once. Once. Once, yes. Yeah, um, aided by, you know, turn 7, um, Zendikar's, uh, Zendikar Resurgent, is that what it's called? Zendikar Resurgent, yeah. Yeah, turn 7, Zendikar Resurgent, turn 8, play a land, you have 16 men available. Cast oh, Emrakul. that's true, I guess you can do that. I mean, it could uh, be yeah. earlier than turn 7. There's lots of ramping uh, commander. Just Anyways, turn 7 as well, yeah. Our, uh, that's just like the, let's the go general. To yeah. uh, this should read Pioneer, 
in voter of truth. Of truth. Yeah. <laughs> it should just say in voter of truth is banned. Instead, it says oath of Nissa is unbanned. And it's just like, what are you doing? So now there are three problematic combo decks in the format. There's Invoto, Lotus Breach. Oh, it should have also said Underworld Breach is banned. But yeah. now you just made Kethis combo a viable deck again. So great. Yep. So um, these three decks are Inverter, Lotus Breach, and um, Heliod. Oh, Heliod is also a stupid combo. So they probably are at some point have to ban uh, either Walking Ballista or Heliod. But like they just made a fourth combo deck. Now there's four infinite combo decks in the format. Not infinite combo, but they're combo decks. Winning combo so, decks. Right, it's basically, like, people are now saying, like, are they just trying to destroy Pioneer so that people play Historic? <laughs> I mean, at this rate, you should just unban uh, uh, Leyline of Abundance, too, so you can have the mono green, uh, lots of mana combo, too. And then, at that point, it unban Sahili Felidar. I want to play my copycat combo in Pioneer, because that's a bad um, deck of mine. Uh, yeah. Anyways, Pioneer is a joke. It's probably dead. Yeah, I don't know too much about Pioneer, but uh, I'll take your word on this one. Yeah. Um, uh, not, seeing, not seeing as many videos Pioneer on YouTube about Pioneer as I did uh, well, last fall. Because it's dead. No one's playing Pioneer anymore. Apparently, it takes forever to get a Moto event. Like, finding a MTGO match for pioneers apparently takes like five minutes anyways mm. in modern oh, Oakham's astrolabe is banned i think everyone saw this coming from a mile away it's just what they what didn't happen also is what's making people furious unbanned twin you cowards um yeah the unbanned twin <laughs> uh yeah so arkham's astrolabe is kind of a format warping card it makes a lot of cards do absolutely nothing, uh, like Blood Moon. Um, right, it for even one. But um, uh, yeah. So uh, Astrolabe is a very, very powerful card. It's really good. I don't know a ton about Modern, but I know it also runs rampant in Legacy. And uh, they've said in the Vanishing Tournament that they're keeping an eye on Astrolabe and Legacy as well. Alright, so I'm looking at the modern metagame. Top call, the top deck is Eldrazi Tron, Mono Red Blitz, uh, Goblins Combo, uh, then Bant Control and Sultai Control, both of which the most popular card is Arkham's Astrolabe. That's like a crucial part of their deck, is to make sure you always have perfect mana. So, well, let's look at the Bant Control deck. It's So it's Yorion as companion. Four Ice Fang Kotal, four Uro, two Primeval Titan, two Three Fairy, two Jace, two Five Fairy, four Path, two Mana Leak, three Archimage Charms, four Force four, four pretty. three Cryptic, two Supreme Predict, and then four Arkham's Astrolabe because you can just 100% of the time have perfect mana. Yeah, the, three Abundant Growth. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to play Archmage's... Like, they're playing three copies of Archmage's Charm because you have always perfect mana with Arkham's Astrolabe. Uh, yeah, the, generally, you know, the cost of playing more colors is having worse mana, but Arkham's Astrolabe uh, heavily mitigates that and uh, reduces the drawback of having to 
spend a card. In two ways. It's basically a cycle. You can, like, just cycle it away for one. You draw a card, and then it fixes your mana forever. Perfect mana, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Eldrazi Tron still controlling the meta, but it's not a particularly oppressive deck. Like, all you have to do is run Blood Moon, and you're fine. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And yet, Blood Moon doesn't uh, fare so well against a certain card that just got banned. So, uh, how convenient. Uh, People wanted either Splinter Twin or uh, Bothing Pod, or both, because... They're less oppressive than what's currently going on. But people also want Modern not to be a 100% combo-heavy format, so... But, like, Twin is, I've heard, not a bad deck to play against. It's, like, blue-red tempo with a, like, Splinter Twin finish. But meanwhile... Like, I mean, everyone... I don't think there was that sounds many people like, complaining. Sounds like Delver to X with extra slept with extra steps to me. Yeah, but uh, people were mad at Hogak Bridgevine, and that got banned. That was pretty degenerate. Yeah, well, also Arkham's Astrolabe is now I think it's the fourth card out of Modern Horizons to get banned in Modern, which is interesting. Uh, I can check that. I. I Oh, no, two. Never yeah. mind. It's just Hogak and Alchem's Astrolabe, but uh, it seems like Modern Hor- Modern Horizons has ca- caused countless cards to get banned. Like, Bridge from Below was banned because of it. Faithless Looting was banned partially because of Modern Horizons. Modern Horizons has caused a lot of cards on the Modern ban list to get banned. I think that's a fair statement. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's move on here. Okay. Uh, so, lastly, in Popper, uh, Expedition Map has been banned, and Mystic Sanctuary has been banned. Uh, Expedition Map is a one-man artifact that you can pay to and sacrifice it to get any land card from your deck. And Mystic Sanctuary is an island that if you control three or more other islands when it enters the battlefield... Uh, you may put target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library. Yep. Well, that's so, not, it's not a fun card. It's not a in Papa. You know more about Papa. You talk about it. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so I'm operating under the assumption that most people uh, are being keyed into what these these cards really do. Um, both of these cards are played in Tron. Tron is the Tron lands, Urza's power plant, tower, and mine. Um, they each tap for one mana, and they tap for more mana if you control all three of the lands. Both these cards are played in a certain variation of Tron that uh, uses cards like Stonehorn Dignitary, and Dinrova Horror, which both have really powerful enter the battlefield effects. Uh, dignitor- dignitary making your opponent skip their next combat step. And then flicker effects like Ephemerate and Ghostly Flicker um, in conjunction with stuff like Mnemonic Wall, which gets those back to your hand to infinitely or, you know, 
to loop these as much as you could ever want to, and make your opponent skip combat steps forever, which is particularly hard to deal with in Popper, a format with um, not super premium removal. So, uh, yeah, Tron kind of runs rampant, runs rampant in Popper. Um, not anymore. Um, well, less. I think it, it's still it's still very powerful, but um, yeah. So this is just one of the steps in kind of slowing down or an attempt to slow down Tron. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, Okay, I let's think that talk about. Tron is just really good, to say the least. Let's talk about uh, Treasure Find. Treasure Find is our place for us to talk about one of our pet cards or a card that we've discovered that we think is either underplayed, super cheap, or very very interesting it's essentially a card that we like my card is protection of the hecama four and white for an enchantment if a source an opponent controls would deal damage to you prevent one of that damage so you basically have a one damage shield and one one or x like one x's just can't do anything to you if they swing with an army of two twos you only take half of that damage it's just a very good card for its rate. It's like not. It's kind of expensive at uh, mana wise, four and white, but not expensive money wise. It is an eight cent card. Um, very good in enchantress decks. Any defensive style decks where you, you want to be disincentivizing you. And I think this is sneakily good because uh, this kind of has the same effect that a card like Sphere of Safety or a propaganda would have in that it's better than in 1v1 because opponents are just going to look uh, like another way because they see that you're the protection of the Hecama and then they're like, no, I want my creatures to deal damage. So unless you're the number one threat, this will help you stay in the game a lot longer. So I think this is a sneakily very good card. Um, what we like to do is look at it on Ediatrek. This is by no means like a super popular card. I barely knew this existed until I was uh, looking at super cheap cards. But um, I will get back to you on Oh, no, we got it. Uh, it is in 102 decks, according to EDHREC, 0% of 182,000 cards. It can't even tell me what commanders it's popular in because it's not popular in any commanders. <laughs> oh, apparently it's like a coast. It it has high synergy with coast cards. So cards like or or like defense cards like Ghostly Prison, Archon of Absolution, Revenge of Raven, Sandworm Convergence, Trespassers Coast, that sort of thing. But um anyways, yes, I very like much like that was a badly worded sentence. I like Protection of the Hecamo. I think it is underplayed. It good, should be played more. Good card, me like. Simple. Yes. Why well, okay. use lot word waste time when few word do trick? You know what they say. <laughs> why why waste time with word when when few word do trick? Yes, few word Kevin, do trick. Kevin, the office. 
Oh, is that that is the office quote? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Yes. From my, uh, this is a card I wrote on Waldrotha. Um, she 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 who shall not be named. Um, <laughs> this card is misdirection. It's three blue blue for an instant. You may exile a blue card from your hand rather than pay this spell's mana cost. Change the target of target spell with a single target. Um, this card, it was around 80 cents to a dollar in Dual Dexmorphic vs. Goblins, but with a reprint in Mystery Booster, it's only 37 cents. Um, uh, yeah, so I think I just think this card is pretty, uh, pretty good. Uh, the ability to change the target of a spell a single target can do a whole lot of things. In some cases, acting as counter counter magic, and in other cases, redirecting your opponent's kill spells from Muldrotha to their own creature, which can be a pretty pretty big blowout, um, especially with having such an expensive commander that uh, needs a good bit of protection to stay uh, afloat as a deck. Yeah. I think this card is now so cheap because people are just playing Deflecting Swat instead. Because it's almost better, like, 100% of the time. Except it's in red. Um, honestly, red should have had this effect all along. But this card is from Mercadian Masks, so I'm not complaining. Oh, I guess it's slightly different. Misdirection says change the target of a to of target spell with a single target. So you can can when there's a, a counter spell, can you target misdirection with it? You can't uh, do that, right? You you cast misdirection, changing the target of the counter spell to misdirection. Yeah, to misdirection. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, yeah, thirty-seven cents because of mystery booster. Just a good code. Um, Alright, why don't we get back into our jumpstart codes with Immolating Dire. You can do uh, Sure. So, um, yeah, Immolating Gyre or Gyre, maybe. Um, Don't know. Not sure. Uh, the second uh, Immolating spell that seems very similar to Jaya's Immolating Inferno, sort of, in that it's a big red spell. But it's four red red for a sorcery. Immolating Gyre deals X damage to each creature and planeswalker you don't control, where X we is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Gyre. Um, it's Gyre, apparently. Gyre. Gyre. So yes, this deals lots of damage to everything. Yeah, this seems very powerful in uh, is that Spellslinger type of deck. As well as most decks playing just a decent oh, amount of instant sorcery spells. Oh, it's not um, everything. It's your it's your opponent's yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was I was gonna so say you don't control. Oh, um, that is yeah. Different. I think this spell is particularly powerful because it's each creature in Planeswalker you don't control. Um, and one-sided board wipes are pretty powerful. Similar cards are, uh, well, potentially similar cards are stuff like In Garrick's Wake which is a 9-mana black spell that destroys all creatures and planeswalkers you don't control, I think. Um, yep. Yeah, it's like a man in Garrick's Wake in red. Yeah, sort of. And uh, another card that's pretty well-known that wipes everyone's board except for yours 
Um, <laughs> that's not the same, but you know, slightly comparable is uh, Cyclonic Rift. So yeah. All right, our next card um, is Allosaurus Shepherd. It's a green mana for a creature, elf, shaman, 1-1. One, one. It can't be countered. Green spells you can't control can't be countered. That's the important part. But it also has, for extra gravy, on the mashed potatoes, four green green. Until end of turn, each elf creature you control has base power and toughness, 5-5, five, five, and becomes a dinosaur in addition to its other creature types. <sighs> Oof. Yeah, I mean, the, um, I that think, ending part doesn't really matter, but... I think this is the single matter. most powerful spell in the entire or, um, in the entire set. For oh, well, maybe, maybe I haven't done too much in-depth looking at reprints, but certainly the most powerful new card. Non-commander. I mean, maybe in commander, but I, I don't... Think, I think so. It, it, it's, it's, um, it can't be yeah, countered okay, right on yes. turn one. And green spells, all spells. In mono green, it it's better. Entirely than... shuts down blue decks. Um, That's true. Okay, yeah, this is a good card. This, uh, it's it's only one mana. In that top, in that I mean that last ability, the top end, to have each elf creature you control become have base power and toughness five five and become a dinosaur. Um, it's nothing to scoff at. I think this is incredibly powerful. Um, in every mono green deck, but especially in elves deck, not only in commander, but in basically every format looking to play an elf. Branching evolution is two in a green uh, for an enchantment. If one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on a creature you control, twice that many plus one plus one counters are put on that creature instead. Great, um, we don't have to use doubling season anymore. Well, I'd say doubling season has other uses. Yeah, um, okay. But, um, um, so there's cards like Hardened Scales that already exist. Cards and Scales is one mana to, rather than double the plus one plus one counters, it adds one extra. So, and Corpse Jack Menace is another similar card. It's two black and a green for a 4-4 creature fungus that has the same line of text. Um, so I think this is definitely not a bad card. I think three mana for that doubling plus one plus one counters ability is definitely going to be relevant in some number of EDH decks. Um, definitely in uh, some commanders that care about plus one plus one counters that I can think of. But also I think in Hydra decks like Gargos um, Vicious Watcher, this is definitely going to be relevant in as mm -hmm. a lot of Hydras have things to do with plus one plus one counters. This with Unbound Flourishing, <laughs> which doubled X's. Um, oh, wait, I've got a good idea. Okay, we're going to play Zaxala and Unbound Flourishing, Corpse Jack Menace, and uh, Evolution Chain thing. Branching Evolution in the same deck. That's crazy. That seems good. I think this is um, another one of the cards that's extremely good. Skullbriar, the Walking Grave. That was the card I was trying to remember a second ago. Oh, Skullbriar. Skullbriar is expensive, though. It's annoying. I've wanted to small a price to pay. but it's... Uh, Skullbriar is... Yeah, 10 bucks. Yeah, but that's a lot. It's actually $11. Uh, yeah, um, anywho, that doesn't really matter... Uh, let me read our next card, which is 
Towering Giant. Towering Giant is a full green green creature giant. Zero zero enters the battlefield with X one on counters on it, where X is the total toughness of other creatures you control. And also sacrifice a defender. All creatures gain trample until end of turn. I believe uh, this is the finisher for defender decks. It's not going to be good anywhere else. You need to be playing defenders. Because otherwise it's just a... We already have big, beefy, six-mana vanilla creatures that you could play instead of this. Right? I mean, I don't think this is uh, worth yeah, it unless you're I think I, I think I agree with that. Um, there's plenty of just really, really big creatures. You know, you can play a Gigantosaurus in your EDH deck, but it's not particularly good when your opponent has a bunch of 1-1s. Um, I think this is definitely an interesting card, though, and definitely uh, an auto-include in decks like Arcades the Strategist, or yeah. deck like I mean, Arcades the Strategist. I think this is the only one. Oh, not Pramicon. Doesn't run, run green. Uh, yeah. You could run a Duel in the Siege Tower deck. Oh, yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, you don't have tons of defenders in Dorne. But I don't see I don't see how Towering Titan's gonna make that big of a splash in any formats. Just it's just an OKD staple. So play an OKD. If they for some reason later on make a another um type of thing Defender cares about defenders. Right, right. I think that's a place that they can explore in, but not particularly interesting now that OKDs exists. Yeah, I think uh, I yeah, that. why don't you read our Last cards. Uh, yep. So as I said, the last cards um, are the thriving land cycle. This is a new cycle of common lands. They enter the battlefield tapped. Uh, when they enter the battlefield, choose a color other than. Well, why don't you read just thriving bluff? Just okay. Yeah. So thriving bluff is one of the lands. When it enters the battlefield, choose a color other than red. And you can add red or one mana of the chosen color. So this is, and there's one for each color. So there's one for, you know, one edge of the battlefield, choose a color other than blue. Add blue or one mana of the chosen color. So um, initially, uh, these are strictly better tap lands. Um, and I think these are, um, I haven't done a ton of playtesting with these yet, but I think I'm pretty interested in these. Due to the fact that I think that in the early game is when most decks tend to struggle with mana. And meeting that requirement early on is um, most important. And once you have that mana early on, it's not too big. Because once you have mana, you can start drawing cards and doing things. And then there shouldn't be as much trouble. So I think these cards are um, going to be surprisingly powerful in decks with multiple colors. Just due to the fact that they can get you the mana when you need it. And... um, that is all that matters in the heat of the moment. And then once you have that mana, hopefully you should be able to find the other colors of mana that you need. Yeah, I'm going to be so happy playing this Tone 1 over a Guildgate, unless I'm playing Golo Skates. I love thriving the Thriving Lands. Kind of expensive right now, hopefully. I think, that, I think that'll definitely, definitely be solved. They're in every, um, yeah, every there, pack and jumpstart. Is there a, there's one Thriving Land in every pack? I believe so. Yeah, okay. Um, also, Elena Danner is such a good artist. Uh, the art for Thriving Heath is absolutely insane. <laughs> uh, also, just all of the Thriving Land arts. Th- 
I love the art for Thriving Grove and Thriving More. I think, but I think Thriving Heath wins for the best art of the uh, Thriving Lands. That's probably going to be the episode thumbnail. Uh, I work on those guys, so go look at the thumbnails. Some of them are humorous, and some of them actually make sense. But, um, anyways, that does it for our Jumpstart set review. Yeah. That is all the cards. Do you have anything uh, else before we get out of here? Nope, don't think so. Thanks for listening, guys. And yeah, girls. thank you for listening. I, 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 I use guys as a, an umbrella term. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but uh, you can email us your questions, comments, concerns, or literally anything at youngpyrocast at gmail.com. You can also join our Discord link in the description below. And yeah, that seems to be it. We will see you all next week. Miles will be back next week. And we don't know quite yet what we're doing, but we'll figure it out. And we will see you next week on the Empire Podcast. See you later.